It was a missed opportunity in Houston. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gersman joins me. We look back at Sunday's 21-16 loss to the Texans. The offense started well and then sputtered. The defense, they got off to a very slow start before pitching a shutout in the second half. The turnaround was impressive. Bottom line, though, frustrating, to borrow the word used repeatedly by Kyler Murray postgame. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 701, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what grit. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. By the way, 700 shows, now 701. I skipped right over that late last week, so I want to mention that as we begin this week's Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Didn't quite realize it until after the fact on a football Friday, but here on Monday, do want to acknowledge everyone that has had a hand in this over the years, in front of the microphone, behind the scenes, and then, of course, this is now, what, three of the last four for you, Zach, here mm-hmm. on Cardinals Cover 2. Yes, but I want to give you some props. You're giving everyone else some props. Craig Greeley, you've kind of been the mastermind with Cover 2, so i got to give you some love for that one. I mean, 700 shows is definitely no easy feat to come up with 700 different intros <laughs> and 700 different topics. I mean, that's, that's quite impressive, so kudos to you, my friend. Appreciate that. To be fair, though, I have missed a handful, maybe less than a handful, but I haven't been a part of all... 700. Okay, so let's say 450. <laughs> I mean, still, regardless, for everyone that's kind of put in the work, uh, both in front and behind the scenes, it, it's quite impressive. This was one of the things when I was looking at this job process. Uh, cover 2 is one of those things that right away stood out. So to be a part of show 700, 698, 700, <laughs> now 701 is, is quite cool. Not as cool, though, to be talking about a loss on Sunday at the Houston Texans, 21-16. to The Cardinals now 2-9 and on the season. A number of different directions we can go here, Zach, and I think we'll cover it all, but first things first, and that is Kyler Murray's second start, first on the road, and we knew this was the next box to check. Now it's, okay, what did it look like? What was the production where were the highs? Where were the lows? And you had hoped that what we saw on Sunday, or the expectation, I should say, was that we what we saw on Sunday probably would have been more for that first game, and then you build upon that. But it did seem like there was a step backwards. Now, I don't completely agree with that, but this is a process, and each game will be judged individually, and then at the end of the season, collectively as a whole, but there was a difference between his first start and his second start. See, I don't look at it like a step back, as you said. I look at it as you saw more rust in game two than you did in game number one. And it wasn't as much in the first game back against Atlanta. All eyes were on him and his ability to scramble. We saw that. We saw that also in game number two against the Texans on Sunday. It was the 
the the ability to throw the ball consistently. There were a couple throws where the technique was not there, the footwork was not there, as K1 said. I mean, I, I was listening to Kyle Vandenbosch on the radio, and he was saying how the throws from Kyler, kind of the, the torque in his body a little bit when you have a repair knee, you're not going to fully – like, like the the throws were not fully there. I mean, there were multiple ducks that did not go all the way down the field as they needed to. I mean, even that fourth down pass to Trey McBride that he was not able to get towards that was thrown behind him. That was a duck. That was a wobbly ball. So it, it seemed like there was more rust in game number two than game number one, which was a little bit unique. But listen, it's going to be an individualized game basis how you're going to be judging these things. Check by check by check. The next option, the next game you're going to check is going to be Los Angeles. How does he go? How does he respond from a loss coming back into this one? He's seen the Cardinals lose um, when he was playing, and he's seen them lose this year from the sidelines. Now it's the first time he was a part of a loss. And you could I heard the frustration afterwards. Uh, everyone was talking about it. He did not want to leave his locker. He was very frustrated. He used the word frustrating seven different times during his six-minute presser. <laughs> I probably used it four times just in this one minute. And look, I get it, and you're judged on wins and losses, but it's a little bit different, and I understand Kyler feeling the way he felt immediately after the game, but how we and maybe others judge Kyler going forward is, again, taking it individually and game by game. And as rough as it looked at times, it couldn't have started any better. I mean, the opening drive, three plays, 75 yards, the last 48 covered on a great pass by Kyler Murray to Rondell Moore. He dropped it into the bucket, as Ron Wiffley likes to say. The protection was outstanding. Next-gen stats listed as that there were 53 and a third yards of air distance on that throw, and it marked just the second time this season that the Cardinals on their opening drive scored a touchdown, first time since Week 8. Perfect beginning. It just never really got to that point again the rest of the way. Yeah, it's one of those things where you start off so strong, and because you start off so strong, you expect it to continue that when it does not continue, it feels like it was a, oh, it was a failure, it was a disappointment. But it, it really wasn't the case. I don't think K1 had a bad game necessarily. Like If you look at the stats, he really was not terrible. I mean, he went 20 for 30 for the 214 yards. He did have that one interception that was on an underthrown ball, which has hurt Kyler in back-to-back weeks, that underthrown ball, although he was bailed out last week by Trey McBride when he made that diving catch against the Falcons. That was an underthrown ball. But a rating of 84.6, it wasn't like it was a bad game from K1. And, of course, the ability to to get out the pocket 51 yards on the ground for him. So, I mean, listen, I just think that that to start off the game in the way that you did – it shows the trust that he has in all of his weapons because he hit Greg Dortch a bunch. He hit Rondell Moore on that long ball there. It was also quite impressive that the Cardinals did not have any receivers that were above six feet tall. And and Kyler was able to, to sling the rock around a little bit and, and make some happen with it. No Michael Wilson, no Zach Pascal, so that opened up the door for Greg Dortch, which we'll get into a little bit later on as far as what he was able to do in his first extended playing time of the season. But you talk about Kyler Murray. He just he wasn't as good as he was mm-hmm. in Week One. And was that just the first time? The home crowd, the vibes, the excitement, the energy, the adrenaline, and then now you're on the road, and it just wasn't there completely. So I get it. Some of the throws were off. It didn't look great on how that ball kind of fluttered at times. Was that because of the bad? Footwork, as Kyler mentioned on a couple of those throws, was it because it was coming out of his hand differently? Just there is a distinct 
the ball comes out of his hand, and you can see it in practice, and it was evident that first practice he had way back in 2019 in which all eyes were on Kyler Murray, and there was just a different zip on how that ball left his hand and how quickly it got to his pass catcher. And for whatever reason, there were a handful of throws, maybe not even that many, but on certain situations, key third downs, and when you needed to play, and it just it didn't look right. And now you have to go back and figure out why didn't it look right. To your, to your point, Kyle, uh, uh, Zach, it's now what do you do to respond and rebound from that performance, which was fine, but we know it can be better. It can be a lot better because we saw that the previous week against the Falcons. Yeah, I think that Kyler, just, just the fact that everyone has spoken about how he sat at his locker for a long time. That's been that's been reported on by multiple different outlets, including from Darren Urban. I mean, he was very frustrated. And I think K1 takes a lot of pride in being from Texas. And this was the first time he's lost in Texas to an NFL team that's from that state with him being from Texas itself. So I, I think he's one of those players that he's going to get right back into the lab. He's going to respond. Everybody's spoken about how he's the first one in, last one out. And it's not even just become like a, a trademark saying like, Kyler's proving that. So I think having a game like this, feeling the type of success that he has, that he was not able to taste a lot, a lot like the previous year, this year when he played Atlanta, to have that sort of success and it being a storybook ending in that sense, the, the book's supposed to continue being written. So it doesn't end after after the Texans. You're not going to the offseason right now. You got another game on Sunday, and you got a divisional opponent at that being the Los Angeles Rams. So... Hopefully he's got a good home-cooked Thanksgiving meal, and he's ready to go on Sunday. Cardinals lose 21-16 to at the Texans. The Cardinals trailed at halftime 21-10. to And then you talk about Kyler Murray, the frustration that he felt and sitting at his locker and letting that loss really sting, to use his word. Now, okay, now it becomes motivation. How do you improve? But the frustrating part was because of what happened in the second half and the ability of that defense to keep putting the offense on the field with an opportunity to either get closer to cut the lead or cut the deficit or take the lead and the offense unable to play that complimentary football that everyone likes to talk about. The defense does its job, gets the offense, the football, and the offense unable to sustain a drive, turn it over on downs three times there in that fourth quarter when you're just trailing by one score. And that, I think, says more than anything about why Kyler was so frustrated and a lot of those offensive players because that was a winnable game. That was an opportunity for the Cardinals to do something they haven't done in a long time, and that is post back-to-back wins, and they weren't able to do it. And that one is going to linger maybe a little bit longer than some losses. It definitely will. And it was uh, Jonathan Gannon being a defensive mind, the head coach, right away pointed towards the defense and said, you can't spot him 21 points in the first half. And while I recognize that, the defense did play well enough, especially in that second half, to win the game. They kept giving the ball back to the Cardinals' offense, and you were not able to convert, to go to, to put up any points, to have three turnovers, three interceptions, and have that result in zero points. That's not something that Kyler or Drew Petzing or Jonathan Gannon or truly any of the members of that offense are going to be happy with because you had the ability. I mean, Chris Barnes' interception was a 40-something yard return. You were put in great field position, and you were not able to translate it to points. And I mentioned this on Morning Scramble. I saw a tweet that said this isn't the season for 
field goals and, and safe playing football. You're going to try to go for the wins. And that's what Jonathan Gannon spoke about in terms of going for it as much as he did on fourth down. But to have to go be three for 10 on third down, one for four on fourth down, you need to be able to convert because to have four fourth down opportunities and to have 10 third down opportunities and not have it translate towards first down. So if you compare it, especially to Houston, who went nine for 13 on third down, you, you that's where that's where it goes down to the details, the minor details that are able to take a good team to being a great team. Here's Kyler's quote, one of his quotes that really stood out to me as far as that lack of complimentary football. Quote, the defense did what they needed to do. We didn't hold up our end of the bargain. Talking about the offense, and you bring it up, it was a talking point on Cardinal Talk. It's going to be a talking point the early part of this week, and that is the decision to go forward as many times as the Cardinals did in the second half, and then the execution or lack of execution because, one, it's the decision to go for it, and then it's the play call, and then it's the play execution. You can break it down in those three simple terms, but I want to go back to what you said because Jonathan Gannon brought it up at halftime with Paul Calvisi on the defense not able to stop the Texans. Three scores in that first half. You spotted a team, 21 points, you're down 11 and I think that had a lot to do with the decision-making of the head coach to go for it as many times as they did in the second half, specifically that Kyler Murray one-yard touchdown run. That was a fourth end goal. Now you're one yard out. You should be able to convert at that point. And then the decision, I think, right there had already been made. All right, we can't settle for field goals. Based off what that Texans team was doing with C.J. Stroud in the first half, Field goals aren't going to win this game. Touchdowns are. We need to convert. We need to sustain drives, get into the end zone. Yet, I don't think Gannon could forecast that the defense was going to, one, pitch a shutout in the second mm-hmm. half and really flip the script on what was going on between C.J. Stroud, Devin Singletary, and Tank Dell, who did absolutely nothing. Yeah, in quarters three and four. Eighty-six total yards it was for the for the Texans in that second half. That that's incredible football right there. And that's when you lose a leader also in Kaiser White, your Mike linebacker, because he went out with an injury. So and and also like you Fotu went out. A bunch of players on that defense went out, yet they continued to step up in a way that we were not able to see in the first thirty minutes of the game. So it, it was quite incredible for that. But to, to go back to what we were talking about, the fourth downs. I was I was happy to see Kyler score that touchdown on fourth and one because of the fact that there was so much talk about you're going to assume you're putting Clayton Tune in for those type of situations just to be able to to tush push quarterback sneaking into the end zone for K one to scramble back another ten yards and have one of those plays where you're like oh my god like how did he do that that's Murray magic that everyone talks about it was great to see that the two point conversion though that hurts. And that, those two-point conversions, that's when you're able to start going for a field goal. Obviously, we're the Monday morning quarterback right now. We're going we're gonna to go through this through, through this sort of lens. But that two-point conversion certainly hurts. The, the fourth down, unsuccessful turnover on downs, those continue to add up. So while I agree, you've got to go for touchdowns to score because you do recognize Houston's explosiveness ability. They led the league in a lot of different explosive categories. I mean, in the previous game, it was eight passes over 20-plus yards. I'm not sure what it was for this one, but they had six, five in the first half. And, and it's it's quite it's quite incredible because of that ability to the accuracy. That, that route to Tank Dell, 
where he smoked Marco Wilson, that was one of the most beautiful routes I've seen watching a game of football. The way that he was able to juke him out, go multiple different directions. I mean, I couldn't even draw that play up on Madden. That's how good it was. So it was, I recognized the ability of why you needed to go for it as much as you did on fourth down. That play, that touchdown by Tank Dell, that was really the last major big play for that Texans offense for the rest of the game. But some decisions. One, because we got phone calls on it on Cardinal Talk, to go for two as opposed to kicking the PAT. Well, simple math tells you at that point, yeah, there's plenty of time in the game. I know historically it's okay. You take the PAT and you worry about the two when you get it. But analytics and just the numbers game, PAT there does you no good because now you're still trailing by a touchdown. Two points, if successful, now you're down a field goal. So in real time, I totally understood the decision. Unfortunate that you didn't execute that play. Now, where in real time I didn't have a problem with it, but I understood why fans did, and that was the unsuccessful, the first of three unsuccessful fourth downs. Fourth and three at the Houston 23. At that point, you're looking at a, what, 40, 41-yard mm-hmm. field goal from Matt Prater. He had kicked a 57-yarder earlier in the game. Kicked the field goal there. It's 21-19. Now you're within a field goal of potentially taking the lead the rest of the way, and there was still almost 13 minutes left to go in the game. Yet at the same time, fourth and three, the decision was made to go for it. The play design, and I just don't think that play was executed properly. The completion to Greg Dortch, short of the sticks, but I'm not sure if Dortch ran that route correctly because if you need three yards and have to come back to the football like you're told to do, reach out for that football, don't let it come to you, then you need to go four yards deep, five yards deep, knowing that you got to come back, back a yard or two to gain that first down. That didn't happen. So as Kyler said, post game on that particular one, quote, just got to be better all around, just got to be better, end quote. And, and you do got to be better because you have to be more situationally aware of what's happening. And that's to go off of your point – Greg Dortch, I mean, listen, he has not had a lot of run at wide receiver so far this season. He did have a really solid game. It, it, but we've seen this in a lot of different cases where the Cardinals have been short of the sticks, and you question whether it was a play call or it was the quarterback's read or whatever it might be. Obviously, we don't have the vision that Kyler Murray does. We see it from the TV broadcast. Ultimately, at the end of the day, K1's got to be able to put his wide receivers in a in a better spot because he can't have them come on a route where Greg Dortch, where K1 knows he's going to have to come back for the ball as well. So it's on both of them and that communication. And you got to hope as these weeks go on, that stuff gets ironed out. But there were a lot of different conversions where wh- why are you settling for only to to, to trim down the yards a yardage as opposed to going for the first down? Because there were third and 13s where you're running the football. Try to go. I, I recognize it that Tony Jones Jr. had a pretty solid game on those third down plays, but they were not able to translate it towards first down. By the way, that same drive in which Dorch was a yard short of the first down, that was also the Elijah Higgins 20-yard catch that was overturned. Certainly looked like it was a clean catch to me mm-hmm. on the replay that I saw. Now, look, the football can touch the ground as long as you have firm control of it it the the ground cannot assist you in maintaining possession and completing the catch so it looked like that that was a catch obviously overturned it was challenged and overturned so credit the Texans for seeing something and maybe they were just at that point taking a chance but 
20 yards on that drive, and who knows what happens going into the fourth quarter, trailing by five. Momentum is serious, and that was a big momentum play for the Cardinals. To also have Elisha Higgins, who has not played much this season at tight end. He's played a lot of special teams. He has not played much at tight end. To see him get an opportunity, and he did. I mean, he he dropped the ball the previous game against the Falcons, I believe it was, um, when he had that first down that he could have converted, and he dropped the ball. He, I felt, had a, took a big step in this game, but it's those type of plays where the officiating we could talk about all day. There were a lot of different questionable calls, but at the end of the day, it was called, and the call was overturned despite them saying on the TV broadcast that they agree that it was a catch, a uh, Gene Steratore that was. So shout out Gene for being on the Cardinal sideline for that one, but it just it, it, it's frustrating. That's, a key, that's a, I think, a key term for this one. It's frustrating because you had it, in so many different ways, and that's why I put down for my songbirds when we were do- when we were doing a morning scramble. My song was "All the Small Things" by Blink One Eighty Two because it literally is all the small things. It's those protections. It's being a yard short. It's those catches that should be surefire catches, but you have to make them a little bit more complicated than it really needs to be. They got to be able to fix those small details. DJ Humphreys talked about the details post game as well. That was the word he used. But because going back to the fourth down decisions, because you went and elected to go for it on the on the first unsuccessful on the Greg Dorch play, then now all of a sudden you you have to keep going for it because. At that point, you can't assume that your defense is going to continuously stop C.J. Stroud and company, which they did and which we'll get to here in a moment. But it goes back to that second, fourth, and four at the Houston 45, well out of field goal range at that point in the game, but a pass that was thrown behind Trey McBride. Again, the decision to go for it, the play call, the play execution, again, to me, it seemed like a lack of execution. Now, whether that's the quarterback or the the wide receiver, that what it looked like was a pass that was not a good thrown pass behind McBride. In fact, Kyler Murray, second straight week now, he is taking ownership on some of these mistakes. Quote, it's on me, bad feet, just a missed throw, throwing behind his tight end. And I'm glad that they could recognize that it is the small details that you could fix, but it's the ones that just continue to bite you. This is the second week in a row where the connection has not been there, and you can't assume that it's going to be there. Like, like, like it's been week eleven. Like, it's week two for Kyler Murray. It's week two for this offense as a whole. The defense played quite well for it being week eleven in the second half, but not in the first. So it's just really stringing together a total sixty minutes of football, complimentary football, because it, it, they are going to say it's the execution. The coaching staff, everyone that is supposed to take accountability is going to take accountability. That's great, as it should be. Now it's a matter of actually taking what you put together in the film room and the practice field and putting it onto the scoreboard. You said something key there. It's game two for Kyler Murray, and it's game two basically for this offense Mm -hmm. with Kyler Murray as your quarterback. This is week two, yet everyone else on that football field, it's their week 11 the defense played very, very well, kept giving the offense an opportunity to trim the lead or take the lead. And let's touch on that offense because I'll go back to that first half. And at that point, Jonathan Gannon's like, okay, we we have 10 points. We're trailing by 11. We cannot stop C.J. Stroud, much like the previous Most teams before teams. him. So what are we going to do as an offense? Well, we're going to make sure we sustain drives. Didn't happen. But 
what did happen was whether a decision or a different play call defensively because there was nothing that the Texans did in quarters three and four. And C.J. Stroud did something he had never done before, going back to Ohio State. He had never had a three-interception game in his career. He had thrown two in the first nine games of the season. Cardinals got him three times on Sunday. But again, the frustrating part, zero points off those three takeaways. I, I liked C.J. Stroud's quote at the end of the game. Somebody asked him about his confidence after throwing the three interceptions, and he said something along the lines of like, Steph Curry still shoots the ball like after missing a shot, so I'm going to continue throwing the rock. And a big part of it, of why of what kind of changed, was the defense put a lot more pressure on C.J. Stroud. They were able to get to him a lot more. And that's what also happens when you go into the red zone. Two of those three interceptions were in the red zone. The field gets a lot smaller. The mistakes get magnified a lot more. And because of that, C.J. Stroud, a rookie quarterback, does not have as much experience throwing the ball in the red zone. So to have the Cardinals defense playing the way that they did, Jalen Thompson with a huge interception, as did Chris Barnes in a ball-don't-lie type moment. But I thought Jalen Thompson had an incredible game for the fact that he came in, had that sack from the secondary, the first one of his career. He said it's been a long time coming. But untouched from the secondary and literally laying the boom on C.J. Stroud, I think added some hesitancy to the rookie quarterback in ways that he has not had. But as, as well as the defense did play, it does not matter if your offense can't put together the points on the scoreboard. Jalen Thompson, a team best, eight tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, one quarterback hit, one interception, one pass defense. He basically filled up the stat sheet. And that interception was a great read, stepping in front of the intended receiver in the end zone and a takeaway inside the red zone. The Chris Barnes one at the three-yard line. Through the hands of the receiver, but again, you got to make that catch. Receiver didn't. Barnes did. And then to what you mentioned earlier, returning it 49 yards the other way to set up the offense almost at midfield. I believe it was the Cardinals 49, but not being able to take advantage of that. And then the Antonio Hamilton interception was just a brilliant play by him going full extension hurting himself in the process Gannon postgame said he hurt his groin we saw him on television have to be carted back to the locker room don't know the extent of the injury as we speak here on this Monday but three interceptions three takeaways by a defense that had zero takeaways the previous three games but it's that big zero that you have as far as points off turnovers Cardinals no points off those turnovers. Even if they get six points, two field goals, all of a sudden Cardinals are walking out of NRG Stadium with a victory. Exactly. And that's what's going to haunt this team. And that's what's hurt this team in a lot of previous games. I mean, for 2-9 and nine team, we've said this so many different times, Craig, on cover two, the Cardinals don't play like their record says. But it's they have one or two things that hurt them in a game. And that's ultimately what separates them from a win to a loss. It's not that they're a bad football team. I know Josh Wood said post game, if you think we're a bad football team, you don't watch football. I love that quote because it's true. Kyler Murray said the same thing in his return press conference. He said, I've watched us. We're not a bad football team. We just have to make a couple more plays. In this case, you didn't have to make a couple more plays. You just have to score the ball a little bit more. It wasn't a matter of making the plays because you did make the plays and your defense certainly made the plays. You just got to be able to get into the end zone. And that's something that's hurt the Cardinals in so many different weeks has been not being able to turn those 
midfield opportunities into points. Defensive numbers. Don't want to hammer you over with the number stick, but bring it on. First half. CJ Stroud, 18 of 24 for 259 yards, two touchdowns, the interception, sacked once. Second half, 9 of 13 for 77 yards, two interceptions, sacked twice. Devin Singletary, 16 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown in the first half, six carries for 28 yards in the second half. Tank Dell, first half, six receptions for 120 yards, a touchdown, second half, two receptions for 29 yards. And you brought up the fact that the Texans in the second half only had 86 yards. They only had four first downs. First half, 333 total yards, 18 first downs. I mean, you talk about the tale of two halves or flipping the script, however you want to describe it. Those numbers are incredible. And it wasn't like the Texans took their foot off the gas it was a one-possession game for a lot of that second half, and the Texans still struggled to move the football or even maintain possession of the football. Yeah, the maintain possession part of it is, I think, more important. In the second half, I wrote down the possessions. It was miss field goal, punt, punt, interception, interception, end of game. And to have that sort of second-half performance, if you even do half of that in the first half, it's a completely different ball game. The, the the Cardinals, I'm not sure what halftime adjustments were made besides, I think, bringing a little bit more pressure to C.J. Stroud, but they made him look like a rookie quarterback in that second half, something that no other team in the NFL has been able to do so far. C.J. Stroud is in the MVP conversation for a reason, and while his stat line still looks quite good after the game, and especially with the 300-plus yards, he leads the NFL right now in Week 11 for passing yards. He's really solid. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But if you look at it, it truly is a tale of two halves because the Cardinals were able to bring a lot more pressure. I know Jonathan Gannon has spoken about to the media. He said that in a lot of cases on the defense side of the ball, if you know that their play was supposed to go for 20, 30, 40 yards and you stop them for 10, that's a win for you. And I think in a lot of cases in the first half, that's what they were trying to, or the second half, that's what they were trying to do. In the first half, they were just getting blown out because explosives were just continuing to hurt you. But in the second half, they played a tighter coverage. They played a lot more man. And they were able to make a lot more happen because of it. Both Drew Petzing and Nick Rollis can point to positives, yet at the same time as coordinators, it's okay, what do we need to do for that consistency? Because that's being when you don't have the talent compared to some teams around the league then you have to be consistent in your play. The offense started well, then sputtered. The defense didn't get off to a good start and then pitched a shutout in the second half. 60 minutes of football. You can't play just two quarters and call it a day. You need to maintain it for the duration of the game. And what we saw on Sunday in Houston was the offense doing okay in the first half, didn't live up to their end in the second half, and vice versa, flip it for the defense between the first and second halves. And that's it's just a matter of stringing together a full game. And it, it's it's incredible because the Cardinals in the beginning half of the season were so good until the fourth quarter. And, and all in all three phases they were so good until the fourth quarter and I believe by game 5 or game 6 it kind of started to to spiral a little bit more downhill. Now they were able to string together solid twenty, a solid 30 minutes on one side of the ball and the solid 30 minutes on the other side of the ball. But 
the the lack of those 30 minutes from either side really hurt you. And that's why 21 points is not a lot, but it's a lot of points when you have more when they have more than you do. Did you learn that at Penn State? I did. That's that, that's that Penn State education right there. All you need is one more po- point than your opponent, and you're good to go. You know, listen, we, we beat Rutgers this week. That's all that <laughs> And I'm looking for a head coach at my alma mater, so I got no, no way to uh, come back or say anything about that. Uh, before we head out, because this is, again, this is, to use Kyler Murray's word, frustrating that is the word of the day here following week 11 and the loss in the Houston Texans anything else before because we do have despite Paul Calvisi not being here for a second straight Monday we still have the Angry Bird Award we want to make sure that we continue to deliver that because people have have we've we've they are they know that that is coming each and every week so we want to make sure we get that but anything else so glad I'm so what, glad I'm not, I felt, that I'm not I, asking you for it. No, I'm just so glad that we're not depriving the people of the, <laughs> of the Angry Bird Award. Like I, I go into this, I'm ready to go with my notes, and I just like there's a spot missing. It's just the Angry Bird spot, but I can never select it. It's it's Paul. It's Paul. I, we exchanged some texts earlier in the day, but before we get to that, anything else that stood out to you, or the one big thing that has kind of been a big question mark, or just very curious, and that is Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Two games with Kyler Murray, good friend, best friend, former college teammates, and two games, targeted nine times, three catches. You read my mind. Because that's what I was going to bring up. Because I think that if Kyler and, and Hollywood Brown did not have as good of a friendship, I don't think this would be a big deal, truthfully. But Hollywood Brown is a solid wide receiver. He's won a lot of his routes. If Kyler Murray threw the ball and did not underthrow him. He would have hit Hollywood Brown for a touchdown on another long, deep pass. He underthrew him. Last game against the Falcons, he only had the 28 yards. This one also, not able to get much happening. I'm not sure if it's a matter of teams covering him because he's won a lot of his coverages, but but the connection seems to be off there. Once again, it's game number two, and it's very possible that the, the relationship that the two of them have on the field just clicks. Because Kyler has to work more on his relationships with the Trey McBrides and Elijah Higgins and the Rondell Moores of the world. The the connection that he has with Hollywood Brown has been a given for years. You just kind of got to hope that K1 doesn't only look at everybody else and kind of ignore Hollywood. Build off the chemistry that you already do have. Speaking of chemistry, there was chemistry between Kyler and Greg Dortch, who is, according to Paul, the Angry Bird Award winner. Greg Dortch, who played more snaps on Sunday, 46, than he had played in the previous nine games combined. (laughs) 45 offensive snaps through the first nine games of the season, or should say the first 10 games of the season. But Dortch setting season bests in catches with six, receiving yards with 76. He was the team's leading receiver, and he was a favorite target of Kyler, especially late there. Or this is a late third quarter, early fourth quarter. There was a 10-yard catch, a 17-yard catch. That drive, unfortunately, stalled when Dorch came back for the football and fell one yard short of extending the drive on fourth and three. But making the most of the opportunities without Michael Wilson, no Zach Paschal, you get that tap on your shoulder. And all right, what are you going to do? Because it's something that Dorch has wanted to be more a part of, and that is the offense but you never know when it's going to happen. For him, it happened on Sunday. It seems like every single time Greg Dorch gets an opportunity on the offensive side of the ball, when he gets more than you know five or six snaps in a game, he is delivered. That's dating back to the previous couple seasons in the NFL that he's had so far. 
Greg Dorch has played really solid football. I think to I think his confidence was a little bit boosted after the Falcons game when he had that bounce off punt return, uh, where he was able to really bring the Cardinals into a good range and to ultimately led to a score because he he has played well so far. He just needs so he's one of those players that is just waiting for his opportunity in a wide receiver room that is pretty full. It's just a matter of getting all those targets on the same page with the quarterback. But they have the skill set out there to do it. Might not have the size, might not have all the skill set in terms of your if you're comparing it to all the other teams that have star number one, number twos, the Cardinals still have a solid wide receiver core out there. Greg Dortch really made the most of his opportunity. It's why he led the Cardinals. And you got to hope that that sort of chemistry continues to evolve with him and K1. Keep an eye on Michael Wilson's status for this game this week against the Los Angeles Rams. Also, what's the latest on Kaiser White, Lecky Fotu, Antonio Hamilton, three big pieces to that defense on all three levels, defensive line, linebacker, and cornerback. But can't afford to lose many more bodies. The Cardinals have already been hit hard defensively, but those three names are huge pieces to what Nick Rollis wants to do. But again, no one will feel bad. It's that next man up mentality. you got to find someone else if those three should miss time or extended time. And I thought a guy like Phil Hoskins really stepped up coming in from the practice squad. He made a handful of tackles out there. Like he voted to before he got hurt, he made a handful of tackles, had a sack. So like the the Cardinals have that next man up mentality. And truthfully, what I, what I hope fans start to recognize, like you'll look at the schedule and you'll look at the record right now and you'll see, and it's not necessarily what you what you want to see. And you have a gauntlet of a handful of games coming in. You have the 49ers, you have the Eagles, you have a lot of different games. I mean, the Steelers I know are reeling, but that AFC North has been giving you a lot of problems so far this season. The, the This team truly is a bunch of believers. And I know everybody has spoken about it because a guy like Josh Woods has said, we're not a bad football team. A guy like Kaiser White says, what if we win out? Then what? B.J. Ojolari told Danny on sideline exchange, we plan, we hope to make the playoffs. Statistically, they're not out of it. Granted, it's a less than 1% chance, but they, that doesn't phase them because they want to win every single game, and this 2-9 and nine record does not deter them any slightest bit. Very curious on how this team responds, specifically Kyla Murray, from what happened on Sunday, moving into this week's work, and then next Sunday when the Los Angeles Rams visit State Farm Stadium. That game will kick off at 2.05. 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And yes, Zach Gershman will be with us on a football Friday for episode 703. You basically have dominated the early portion of the 700 episodes of Cardinals Cover 2. I'm just trying to solidify my name in the record books (laughs) like you, Craig. That's all. Well, it's a deep record. I I don't think I'm getting that far. It's a steep hill to climb, too. So. I wish you all the luck in the world. Uh, the climb continues. That's what Miley Cyrus says. It's the climb. Don't clip that. Don't <laughs> clip that. Go ahead, Craig. Sign us off. I, I, I didn't know you, you. Oh, no. You can sing us off if you'd like to, if you want to sing Thank any more bars. Thank you for coming to cover two. Okay, now I am going to sign this off because I, was, I don't want to hear any more <laughs> of that. Yeah, on that bad notes. Singing notes of Zach Gershman. We'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.